Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bo. And today we have the pleasure of sitting down with Zach Tellender and Alejandro Medina. Zach is in town for a few days and he hopped on the podcast last minute and we love that here at Hybrid Unlimited. We just like sitting down and having a casual conversation and a silly ghost time and that is it. Big spontaneity guys over love here. It, love it, love it over here. So today we talk mainly about the world of Olympic weightlifting, one that we hold dearly and close to our hearts if you don't know hayden and i both come from an olympic weightlifting background hayden you for a lot longer than me i think you've been weightlifting for like 12 years something right or really since you were 12 i mean yeah i did my, i was training before that but did my first competition i think when i was 12 years yeah old. i don't think a lot of people know that and i come from an olympic weightlifting background as well i did that for about five years before i transitioned into powerlifting um so He's going to be catching us up with the hottest topics in the Olympic weightlifting world. We're going to talk about nationals that just passed, uh, some of the top performances there. Um, Alejandro Medina, who is uh, a sponsored hybrid athlete and also works here as a, as a director in the warehouse and as a gym manager. He also talks a little bit about his experience. Not just uh, our gym manager. What did I say? A gym manager. Uh, I meant to say our. <laughs> Uh, so we also talk about that, talk about Zach's YouTube and how he started it, how he grew it, which is a pretty cool story. We talk about his um, uh, transition from Olympic weightlifting into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and a lot more. As always, don't forget to screenshot this episode when you're listening to it, post it on your social media, tag Steffi, tag me, tag Hybrid Unlimited. It can be in your stories, it can be a feed post, we don't really care. We just love seeing you guys appreciating and enjoying uh, the content. And doing that automatically uh, enrolls you in a uh, draw to potentially win some gear from Hybrid Legacy Brand, which is the dopest apparel in the game. So definitely do that. It's an easy way to be considered for that. And this episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. That's it. Sit back and enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. If you say one thing and you sound dumb, it's that's it. You're done forever. Can't no pressure, We're going to take that sound no bite pressure, and never come back. We're going to use that as no. promo for the, the episode. Yeah. No, no pressure. The dumbest no pressure. you sound. You're going to have like 38 <laughs> seconds of me talking on the entire podcast. <laughs> With uh, that photo, the screen grab will be the photo that Fernando got. Fernando's favorite photo of Medina. Horrible yeah. photo. Wow. Was had, that, is that a real photo? It's, no. <laughs> no. I mean, it's a, real, it's a real photo. It exists, right? But it's he took a panoramic, but he took it like like this ah. so it like 
put one eye like <laughs> a whole inch above the other eye and squished them together. And squish it doesn't look good. It's not no. bad. Not it's very not, good. Not I've had a lot of inquiries though about the purchasing of the shirt. That that can be your uh, your world team uh, shirt fundraiser. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I'd prefer maybe like a different image. I kind of like it. It's grown on me. It is pretty funny. I, I like it too. Yeah. So let's break down who's on the podcast because sometimes we go on these tangents where we're halfway through and only the title tells who's on the podcast. <laughs> so we have Medina, who's our GM of Hybrid Performance Method Gym. Uh, he is also as professional of a weightlifter as you can be in this country and uh, director of uh, the warehouse here on the apparel side of the business. We also have Zach Tellender, who, dude, I actually have known you for a long time now. A 2015, time. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, was think, I was trying to think back. It was, yeah. I thought it was either 2014 or 15, mm-hmm. coming through Chicago. And I think you were at, um, don't tell me, Bucktown CrossFit. No, uh, well, we trained there, but my gym was the Foundry. Oh, which, okay, by yeah, the way, foundry. Which, by the way, went under because of COVID. Uh, God, what, what a shame. Yeah. The rent was so high there and then COVID came through and... Was that the place that was all like brick and stuff and had multiple levels? Yes. Uh, That was a cool gym. That's a shame. Yeah, it was a really nice gym. That's a shame. But yeah, we always like... Our paths just kept crossing so many times. I remember that was the first time that we kept in touch. And then Steffi and I, like two years later maybe, we were in Chicago for New Year's. We were looking for something to do and you were like, yo, me and my dad, we play in this band and we're going to be playing at... Uh, like some bar so then we ended up spending new years there then that. you were at texas a&m when we were in texas yep and just all over the place that was i totally forgot about the new year's thing yeah right <laughs> oh my god isn't that wild yeah. you guys were jamming you were good yeah, yeah thanks, you guys man. were good yeah we uh i've been playing music since i can remember just because my dad was in a band uh-huh. so he needed a drummer so he just well, like here play this slave so. labor <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's a good talent. Maybe we can get a bit on the podcast. Oh, shit. We got a drum set right here. Yeah. We have a drum set. We got to have him jam out. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you are a weightlifter yep. turned now BJJ yeah. athlete, would you say? Well, I. Um, it's hard to say. Like, Weightlifting for me was a competitive endeavor ever <laughs> since I started it. But um, I got into coaching pretty early. So that's my profession that's what I feel like I'm an expert in. I'm not necessarily an expert weightlifter, if that makes sense. I'm just, I'm good at coaching. Um, just very recently I announced like retiring from competing in weightlifting, not because I want to do jujitsu, but because the point where I was at in weightlifting, it's really, as we all know, it's really difficult to put on muscle right? Just in general, uh-huh. but being an experienced lifter, it's even more difficult. So at, at my height, six foot four, I was at 116 kilos body weight and I was snatching, you know, anywhere to from 140 to 143 and then clean and jerking 170 to 180. And in order for me to just continue on that path to maybe get up to 150 and, and so on and so forth, I would need to put on muscle Mm-hmm. At 30 years old, putting on muscle as an experienced lifter would require just like so much arduous work. Yeah. And odds are I would just be fat, <laughs> you know, like objectively yeah. obese, like body fat percentage wise, like health wise, I would not be, would not be healthy. And it's not like if 
my goal, like I know I had more to give to competing. I just like, I just didn't want to put 95% of my life into that, into eating and all of that. I wanted to just do other things. So usually when I stop weightlifting for a little bit, I go to like CrossFit or I'll like get in the pool and swim. I'll just do, you know, GPP type stuff. But that stuff was always like necessary because it's barbell work, right? I can go and do a CrossFit workout and it's, it can help me out and I can kind of still stay in the same frame of reference. Um, But I wanted to learn a new skill and BJJ for me and for everyone really is like a skill that you just continually learn until you die. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. completely ever evolving um, your own game. So for me, it was like, if I'm going to take time off of weightlifting, I'm going to learn something new. And then I started to do it, fell in love with it. And now I'm going to compete. I'm actually competing in two weeks. So nice. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. First time. Yeah. Oh, actually I did a, a no gi tournament. Um, pretty early on, but it was, it was submission only for white belts and like white belts don't really know submissions. So it was like really awkward. Wait, as opposed to what? Chokes? So, yeah. Wait, so it's a submission still. Um, no. So like points, usually like you can get points for takedowns. You can get points for different position oh, okay. and positional advantages. And there's some, you know, groups that like the more famous grapplers these days, they just do submission only. Um, and if you don't submit someone, you go into overtime and then the overtime is something else. But like for white belts who like the whole thing for white belts is just survival. Right. So for me, I'm like, I'm not finishing people. So it was awkward, but, uh, but yeah, I feel like honestly, Steph, you and I have a similar path in that like you went into boxing, maybe it was for different reasons, but I'm, I'm curious to hear why you went and did that rather than take time off powerlifting or whatever. I, I was ready for a change. We just did a, our latest, our last episode was all about why I transitioned to boxing. Yeah. But I was ready for a change. Honestly, I'd been just battling back, back pain for a while and I was burned out. I was competing so frequently, you know, anywhere from four to six times a year. And competitions were on hold anyways because of COVID. Exactly. So honestly, it was the first time that I kind of justified or gave myself permission to take a break from lifting heavy. Um, and I just bought a heavy bag, put it up in my garage, like on my squat rack and started hitting it. And honestly, loved the sport so much that I decided to pursue it. That's basically a short. Do you, do you feel that you have that same feeling where like you're learning a new skill and so it keeps you right? Like how much can you really learn in powerlifting at this point in your career? So like to keep you mentally stimulated, I feel like is so valuable. Like every time I go to jujitsu, like. I never feel like I'm working hard. I feel like I'm thinking hard. For sure. And with Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting, they're, it's not that they're easy movements, but in terms of just this, the, the acquisition of the skill happens fairly quickly. You know, you, you're always tweaking. You're always trying to make changes and make your movement more efficient. But there's not a lot of, um, there's, there's not a lot of different things that you can do with, you know, with, in training. When so it comes many to variables. That. Yeah, that's exactly because yeah. the only variable you're testing with with weightlifting is your strength in those particular movements, and with powerlifting is literally just your strength. One one thing I was literally just talking with Medina about is like once you hit a certain level in either powerlifting or weightlifting, 
basically both sports where you know what's coming at you. Uh-huh. You have three attempts in all lifts. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change. The sport never changes. It's, it is what it is. Once you hit a certain level, it becomes more about like you're not trying to accomplish so much physiological change. You're basically going from periods of out of shape to in shape, yeah. out of shape to in shape. Whereas like I work with a ton of intermediates and you have to throw in like GPP blocks, throw in hypertrophy blocks, like squatting tens as a weightlifter just, and I'm sure as a powerlifter isn't really realistic because mm-hmm. it's not as specific, obviously, but you have to throw those things into the intermediates to have them cross that barrier eventually or build some sort of a base. Mm-hmm. But a guy like Medina mm-hmm. at this point, it's just a process of going, being out of shape to in shape. Yeah, it's like minimum effective dose for you at this point because it's like anything you do outside of snatch and clean and jerk, super heavy, which you're doing all the time, is just like time that you're going to need to spend to recover from that other thing mm-hmm. that you're now not recovering from snatch and clean and jerk. Mm-hmm. And you're actually the only one out of all of us in this room who's survived weightlifting. We've all <laughs> eventually <laughs> yeah, said, that's really fuck sad. this, yeah. <laughs> and uh, gone on to something else. But uh, And you just competed at nationals. Yeah. What? How many nationals have you done so far? Uh, it's actually my third nationals. Well, yeah. if you count the online one, right? And you swept silvers. No, fourth nationals. Fourth? Yeah. 2017, 2019, 2020 online, and the 2021 that we just did. All Guys, good. let me tell you a story, okay, about Medina and how far back we go. <laughs> Listen, Medina's coach was my coach, Camilo Garcia. And I remember when he started bringing you to training or like showing me, showing me your videos and stuff and telling me, oh, look, this guy, like, you know, he really wants it. He really wants to train, whatever. And I remember seeing you, you were, you were so skinny and small. I was like, man, this guy, I don't know. Real, (laughs) real. Look at you now. Real late bloomer. Yeah. Yeah. And look at you now. Look where you're now. Yeah. 20, 2019 AO. I had to, uh artificially put on six kilos to make weight so i didn't get i guess yeah it's far enough now where you can tell people what you did oh yeah i suppose right i didn't even think about that. yeah yeah what did you do it's illegal uh i was (laughs) just struggling to make weight no struggling to have enough weight yeah 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 i was too light uh i'd never really been that light so i didn't think it would be an issue so i didn't even think to like change to a lower weight class prior because you can do so up until three days out uh, and then, so three days out came and I was about 98 kilos and I had to compete in 102. So I had to gain about four kilos and I was eating throughout the entire weekend. And then when I wake up on the comp day, I'm about like 96.9 or 97 kilos. Uh-oh. Um, if I don't get over 102, I get disqualified. So I, no, you were, no, you, you would have to, you were competing at 109 then. Right. So I had to be, so over, you had to 102. be over 102. Right, okay. Right, right. So, okay. So just to clarify, right, I wasn't, yeah, right. I wasn't a 102 as a 109, but yeah, I had to okay, be over okay. 102 right. to be a really light 109 yeah. right. <laughs> when I should have dropped to 102. I just didn't think it would be an issue. So right before weigh-ins, I chugged an entire gallon of water. I chugged a Pedialyte. I put, uh, like knee this wraps on underneath my singlet. It was the first year. You Did could... you not put a chain on? Please. T- yeah, I, 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 I put a chain on. <laughs> I asked, like, like, a bit, like a big gangster. I, I was getting. To, I was getting to. I mean, it was, I mean, not a giant chain. It was the biggest chain I could find. It wasn't my chain. So um, I was getting. I was you know building to that right. The, the things that weighed less first. I put the. But my knee sleeves wrapped them up around my my waist. I had about like 
I don't know about two or three pairs of boxes on. Just Bro, you should on. have just like put rocks in your underwear. I mean, yeah, you could just say I got a lot. Or put all of your clothes sopping wet. Well, I, or I mean, you show I, there, up there was, sopping wet as if you caught weight. There's, there's steps, right? I did. <laughs> there's I did levels get, to I, this. I did. I did end up wetting my body, right? So. <laughs> You sold yourself? I not in that, not like that. Um, I, at uh, that meet, I had a lifter at that meet doing the exact opposite. That's normally <laughs> so, what you do. No, but this one was bad. This one was bad. He was lifting as uh, eighty-one, and he came in. He weighed eighty-two point five. So we needed to lose a kilo and a half in an hour, bro. Uh -huh. Or maybe no, I think actually he was just like a kilo over. A kilo and a half is pretty crazy. Um, someone had a parka like some woman who was also weighing in she's like here take this and we ha we put him in like so much so many outfits like layer upon layer and we just did burpees and jumping jacks rotating through them because yeah, we had to there was no bike there was no sauna it was too late dude you only have an hour window so yeah, we were doing burpees jumping jacks when and was like, the last time we had a venue that did have a he sauna? couldn't spit dude he could not spit it was like if I asked him to, there's no way. He was putting Jolly Ranchers in. He like couldn't produce a lot. I've done those just nothing left. Yeah, and so there's nothing left. And and then like literally with like sixty seconds left to weigh in, he weighed in exactly eighty one point zero zero. So the exact opposite. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Steph, I've seen your cuts, and they look awful. Disgusting. Awful. Yeah. You know what? It's uh, I've never been pregnant or had a child, but right. I think it compares. Good. Right. <laughs> yeah, good clarification. Um, I think it compares to after you give birth, like you don't really remember how bad it was, what you went through kind of thing. That's happened to me every single cut. You know, you were going through it and every second is just so painful and awful. But then you go compete, have so much fun and you forget about it and then do it all over again. Well, especially when every time you do that, you're experiencing success, like you're breaking records right. and you're like everyone's cheering you on and shit goes viral on the internet. Yeah. So it's like you remember all those high points. You don't yeah. remember the like few hours before where you wanted to kill yourself. What was the lightest you competed at? 114. 114. What did yeah, you pull at 114? Twice. Um, the last time was the I'd, I'd hybrid. What did I pull? It was either 205 or 210 kilos. Yeah. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. Well, hey, there's, you, that you know what I noticed like Had them. while you're cutting obviously it sucks but there's like a little adrenaline rush to it yeah you're like fighting for your life a little bit yeah. it's like <laughs> almost like lifting so in that sense you also don't remember doing it it's like you black out for that period of time because you're kind of excited yeah and you're like because you have to do it right mm -hmm. it's a lot of these things where training so much of it is an unknown like mm -hmm. almost all of it is. So you have certain types of people who just want to know exactly what they need to do at exactly the right time so that they can achieve their goals. When you have those moments in weightlifting or powerlifting, it's pretty nice. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you have to be that weight. So like, you're going to do whatever it takes to cut to that weight. However, like if you're a couple weeks out and you're not hitting the lifts that you want to hit, you don't know if it's possible. And that's when it's like, okay, you get the, some people who are like gamers, uh -huh. you know, where they can, it doesn't matter what they've hit the week before, two weeks before, when it comes time and they're on the platform, you know, they're going to blow up whatever they need to. But then there's also the people who aren't gamers. And this is where like, 
when you get to that threshold of intermediate to advanced, they can't produce that outcome without knowing what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. For sure. And I was I was actually just talking about this in a in another podcast about comparing uh the nerves before a powerlifting or weightlifting competition versus a boxing fight. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what you're saying. I don't know if they because it was a boxing podcast, so I don't know if like they could really understand what I meant, but yeah, like when you're two, three weeks out or a month out and you're not hitting those numbers and you're going into the meet with like a bunch of failed attempts or really not not knowing if you're if you're actually going to be able to put everything together on the platform, right? Yeah. Because there's only one variable that's tested, yes, which is yes, that lift. So yes. you're a lot more nervous, right? Yeah. For my first fight, I was so calm. I was chilling, you there's, know? I was going in to have fun. Like I was going in to, to do a bunch of different things. And pro like probabilistically speaking, there's so many things that could or could not happen. That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that put my mind at ease. You know, I I thought I would be so much more nervous, but how calm was I before yeah, my fight? Were. I was You're chilling. Yeah, and before a powerlifting meet, I'm having panic attacks. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'm literally like, shaking. Yeah, because what's your solution meet. on on meat day and powerlifting or weightlifting? You, you can't lift the weight cycle. You're just like, well, I hope it goes differently somehow. Yeah, yeah. you know, but it's not like you can just do something different and with man, your snatch. Like your, and you your can do right. And you can do everything perfect. In fact, you can have a perfect training cycle. And going to the meet, absolutely prepared, hitting all of the lifts that yep. you should have hit. You hit openers a week before. You you think you're you think you're ready, and then boom, you go and you bomb, mm -hmm. or you only get your opener. It just doesn't feel it's right on the day. Bullshit. So yeah. this this topic, I like I have ranted on this for a while, because like my my job it, it entails working with people who haven't really been propelled into the mindset of being like I can't write your I can't write your end product on a piece of paper. I can't coach you to where you need to go. Like I can't. There's that unknown factor and that's where people like that makes or break people. That's why people quit. Mm -hmm. Um and I noticed like so I actually uh coached some college kids at, in Texas A&M and You know, when you're in high school, you're told, get this score on your ACT, do this, you will get this, right? So they do that and then they get into college. Then you show up to the first day in college and what does your teacher do? Pulls out the syllabus of exactly what you need to do to succeed. Mm -hmm. So the kid goes, okay, cool. I just need to do this, this, this. I need to get this score on my final and move on. Mm -hmm. Boom. And then when I graduate, I just need this piece of paper and I will get this job. Sadly, that's not the case. Right. You know, you don't know what your future, like there is no employer that goes, oh, thank you for getting your diploma. We will now take you. You know, that's where people, the reality sets in. And what I noticed with these college kids, they approached weightlifting the same way. So I taught them how to snatch and clean and jerk. I gave them every set and every rep to get, to get done they start going from beginner to intermediate and then they don't make any adjustments. They don't, they don't try anything different. They don't explore different styles on their own unless I tell them exactly to do that. Right. They're like, tell me what to do so I can get my goal. For sure. I mean, our whole lives were conditioned to that procedural way right. of like achieving success or progress towards the next step. It's always, A plus B plus C equals D outcome. Yes. 
sense. And so how much of a fucking reality punch is 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 weight training then for that? Like it's the same deal. Like when I I struggled to find a job, I sent out like I think it was really funny. I made a joke. It's like um, I met Michael Jordan, so it was like twenty three denied resumes. Like, <laughs> Or, you know what I mean? And I failed a bunch of interviews and stuff. And it's like, I don't get it. I did exactly what you guys asked. Mm -hmm. I got this piece of paper. I got this diploma. Like, mm -hmm. why am I not getting a job? And the reality is you have to create your opportunities in some way. Mm -hmm. You have to have some sort of creativity. Even in a sport where we know exactly what we're doing every time. Snatch, clean, and jerk. Dude, How can you be creative for that? A hundred percent. You know what uh, my, my coach, Pedro, my his philosophy of how he creates box or world-class boxers is three things is creativity independence and intelligence i love that yeah creativo independiente inteligentes like that's his like slogan yes you're saying it's good that i dropped out of college for not not entirely but maybe that's funny max um max ada you guys had him on right no i haven't we've never really like cross paths in a, for some reason in all I've the been years. I've been on a podcast with him oh yeah, yeah okay. which one was it you him Greg, Greg Knuckles, Knuckles and Eric Helms and Eric Helms yeah Helms yeah yeah but in person I've never met him so he has the three A's um autonomy auto regulation and accountability mm -hmm. so essentially it's the same thing right mm -hmm. so autonomy means like you have the ability to coach yourself every athlete needs that mm -hmm. right Accountability is like you have the ability to hold yourself accountable before your coach holds you accountable. Your coach should help you regulate. Your coach should help keep you accountable. Um, what was the third one? Accountability. Um, Auto-regulation. Auto-regulation Auto is, is, is basically the similar thing as autonomy in the sense that you need to know how to, how to regulate your training, right? Your, Your coach doesn't go home with you and see how you sleep and see how you eat and all of these different things. Mm -hmm. You should so, be responsible to if you walk into the gym and you had a shit sleep or you didn't eat enough to not do what is written and change off. it yes. for something that is more the syllabus, appropriate. Right? Yeah. The program is the syllabus. Yeah. Okay. That's if, if you think here's the program, do this, be successful. You're wrong. It's not, it's not college. Yeah. 100%. There has there has to be creativity. I love creativity too as as a as like a pillar. I mm -hmm. love it mm -hmm. because in with examples of people and the way they do things, you might think, oh, well, he did it that way, so and he's the best, so I want to do it that way. When in reality, like you can't, mm -hmm. you're different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I think like that exploring that is so that's that's exactly what all of that's about mm -hmm. i think if you look at a sport like boxing there's just like maybe not six factors but like six million different pathways you can go down in boxing mm -hmm. yeah i mean with anything there's obviously the rules and then once yes. you've mastered those then you can start kind of developing your own style within those principles that right because you can't veer too far off of them either yeah But you have to move the way that your body moves. It's kind of similar to weightlifting in that yeah, sense. Absolutely. Right? Like, that's what your style is. It's like, there's a reason why oh. Bulgarians can donkey kick six feet backwards and absolutely. still, and, you know, still set world records. And that's something that Pedro actually does amazingly. So I worked with a coach prior to him, uh, like towards the beginning of when I started boxing. And she pretty much wanted me to box exactly like her. 
You know, she was putting me to do drills and like do all the movements slow to kind of just move exactly like her and right. do everything like her. her head kind of like Camilo. Huh? Camilo's kind of like that. Camilo has like this very one dimension, like there's one way to lift, right? When it's, I think it's okay to start with someone who's, who's like that. But you do yeah. have to evolve. No, I think I think Camila was like a fantastic coach for like really getting the fundamentals in and like, you know, learning exactly like how it's supposed to be like for most people or at least like, you know, like how the perfect, the perfect outline. Uh, <laughs> only a few months, like in person, only a few months. Uh, That's what happened. Cause, because within I worked with him for four years and it did start like that. I worked yeah. with a PVC pipe for a month. I worked with an empty barbell for a month. Like just doing reps on reps on reps of snatch, clean, and jerk. And yeah, obviously everything had to be a certain way. Your hands, your elbows had to be turned a certain way. Your feet had to be turned a certain mm -hmm, way. Just that. But as, I, <laughs> but as I evolved as an athlete, we did a ton of adjustments. Like I yeah. started with a super narrow clean and jerk and I ended up with a more like Colombian style, like open re-grip yeah. jerk. I, I didn't mean cetera. it like in a, in a negative way at all. I mean, he just has like... No, you can have your opinion. I don't get right. offended. No, no, no. no. I mean, because I think he was really good for me. And I think he really drills in things that like... Like he has cues that just are always going to be beneficial. Like things that you know, but you don't always think about before. Like like literally keeping your chest up yeah. or turning your elbows outside. Things that you can always say before every single lift that having him say that thing before every single lift watching is different than having like obviously like a remote coach telling you at the end of your session or one time during your session just to literally reinforce those positions every single time and he has like those he has like the perfect cues that i still use when i coach all the time like the perfect cues that like i think everybody especially beginner intermediate like all need um but you know obviously with being over the bar he was really big on like extremely extremely over the bar and uh so that's, that's kind of what I mean. He has, I mean, but that, I guess that applies for any coach. Mm -hmm. They have their ideology of how they're going to coach and what they think is right. Um, so I, like, I know I'm, I mentioned Max a lot because he was kind of, for a while there, I would consider him a mentor. I actually approached him initially for mentorship. Um, and he was, he was almost the opposite just because we weren't working in person. Obviously, if you're going to teach someone, you do have to be rigid. So what's his name? Cam Cam Camilo. Camilo. Yeah. Like, I don't blame him. In fact, I'm pretty rigid with beginner lifters. Like, I go hard and I'm like, this is it right now. Like, mm -hmm. you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you how, how right. it is. That's, yeah, that's learn, how I felt with the him. rules before you can break them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I like Steppy's, that. Yeah. That's Steppy's quote. She'll <laughs> yell at me after if I don't give her credit. Okay. No, that makes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense, but, though. It's exactly like, how it should be. Yeah. For sure. Um, there was this analogy and I, I, this is why I was bringing up Max. It was like the, um, the, the Canadians dominated hockey forever. And in that, I, I forget what period of time it could have been the seventies where the Russians wanted to like, mm -hmm. basically in every single sport wanted to show some, some level of dominance. And, um, they, at first they were like, we are going to copy the Canadians because they're the, the best. And the problem with that is you're not going to out Canadian the Canadians. Right. You're not going to outdo them at their game. So there was a, they might not have ever, ever actually gone through that process. They might have just actually just played and not paid any attention to Canadian hockey. And so I think I might have these mixed up, but one of them was like the puck dictates where the players go. 
Um, and then, you know, the Russians or, or vice versa is the players dictate where the puck goes. So the styles were completely different. And that's when Russia started to become a powerhouse in hockey. Not because they copied the best, but because they just ignored the best and did their thing. Um, and so that's what, like, when I approached Max, I was like, listen, man, I'm at the point where I'm making content, but I haven't done the dirty work as a coach. And I, I would like your help to be a coach that goes to national meets and like just does what every other coach does. Like I need to be old school. I need, I need tradition because I'm branching off into kind of like another world where it's like, uh, you know, a lot of what I'm saying is driven by like epiphany guys. I figured out this new thing with the snatch. Like no one else talks about, yeah. you know, like the famous what? thing every weightlifter says a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. In their career. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> told you, that's the key. It, it always ends up coming back to traditions or, or, or the rules. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like really a, about that. I did not want to be an internet weightlifting coach. I wanted to be these guys. And Max was like, you know, I, think that's a honorable approach but fuck them dude do you like and he gave me that analogy he's like don't like you can watch them you can do that but don't ever change your creativity and your style based off of what you see don't try to outdo others at what they do do what you do make the adjustments that you do uh and i that blew my mind dude we were that was on a phone call i just like kind of went silent when he said it I'd, I'd never really heard that from someone and like for things like that to be explained, he's done it a couple of times where I've just been like silent because mm -hmm. it actually blew my mind. I mean, yeah. It also depends who you tell that to, right? Like that works for you, but obviously you can't tell that to like a handful of like beginner intermediates. Yeah. Also, you're not kind yeah. of. Right. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. They are an athlete focused meat company. Uh, always, never, ever, no hormones, no antibiotics. They source from ranchers who are for the animals to free-range graze in low-stress environments on nutrient-rich regenerative grass. Montana is known for having very productive farmland, and the nutrient-rich grass consumed by the animals is passed on to us. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their bodies. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed out our bodies will be, and the more efficient they will run. Quality, convenience, small batch, that's Stay Classy Meats. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery and sleep these products are combined of both cbd and non-cbd ingredients by tapping into how we function biologically cbd can work to regulate pain mood appetite anxiety and inflammation as a hybrid unlimited listener you get 15 percent off your order with code hybrid in all caps so check them out that's beam and use code hybrid in all caps for 15 percent off yeah, it comes at an appropriate point in your career. Right. Yeah. And also with weightlifting, I just, I've always kind of felt like there's, there's positions that you need to reach in each lift, you know, like for example, you need to make contact at the hip when you're doing a snatch, mm -hmm. right? Right. Like 
those sorts of things are kind of non-negotiable, but the way you get to those positions can be totally different depending on your body type and style. Mm-hmm. And, and that is how I, that's how I started. I, I, I started in, in uh, CrossFit and there were these rules that kind of CrossFit had adapted from USA weightlifting. It's like all anyone cares about is just like, don't ever bend your arms. Don't ever use your arms ever, ever. It's so, it's such an interesting lift because the real drivers of the lift are the legs and the hips. It's like, okay, great. We all know that. But what how, what's the action of the arms after they make contact with the hips? How much um, tension should be in the biceps at contact? Because if you take a completely untense muscle hit and then put tension into it, it might not be as fast as a slight amount of tension as you make contact. You might get two movements. Sure. Right? So yeah, that's where you get people who, who they have really locked out arms and then they bend and then they lock out again. Right. Some, things like that. Big and jerk before they pull under. What I noticed was from coaching CrossFit for a long time and teaching people, I noticed the same issues because of the same style of teaching it over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I adapted and just created a different style, completely different style from what I was taught how to teach people. And that's it. I, I didn't, I wasn't like, guys, this is the only way I was like, Hey, this is my approach, like straight up, like, hey guys, I noticed this issue happens a lot. Uh, I've experimented with fixing it. This is how I fixed it. Use it if you'd like. End video. Over and over and over again for years. You so know, how'd you fix the armband? There's a number of things you can do, you know. <laughs> it depends on whatever the person's doing right. wrong. They right. could grip the bar the wrong way. They could, you know. And like you were saying with hip contact, right? Anytime with an old school coach you would say hip contact they just kind of were like eh, it's, it's there mm-hmm. right you know they're just like yeah whatever and like you talk to russian guys like they teach hip contact first day yeah. we do hit the bar it my, my coach used to say you kick at the bar <laughs> yeah yeah like with your crotch <laughs> yeah. so like you know why did you sound italian there he's hungarian i don't know i was trying to, I, don't know. Else I, was I thought it was hungarian enough yeah <laughs> i don't know that's, they also are Hungarian, Russian, Ukrainian, all sort of similar. Watch out, man. I know I'm going to get yelled at. <laughs> You're going to get canceled. <laughs> yeah. But um, so your, your, your YouTube channel, is that where you're putting out those videos? Yeah. That's how it started, man. Like, So talk about the evolution of that because you have a pretty successful YouTube channel now. Yeah. And I think your content, Stephanie and I were looking at it a while back. It's like really professionally done. Mm-hmm. I like the like all the voiceover stuff. It, yeah. feel, it feels like I'm watching like a YouTube documentary. Oh, like or uh, sorry like a weightlifting documentary yeah. or all, some, of, some of them and uh, it's funny because I know you right and I know you as like this goofy like yeah, you yeah. know guy and then I watch those and I'm like I wonder if they know which what goofballs behind us <laughs> no they definitely do <laughs> this by channel my, still be doing by my well. Instagram though like <laughs> that's where I let the goofiness go like I just posted a meme like 12 hours or like last night right, right, okay. extra yeah. crispy yeah. <laughs> yeah so they know that that's there but I, I feel like how could you can't just be dry and not have humor for sure like that's a very personality person your audience identifies with yeah they come for the information they stay for the personality absolutely but yeah talk talk about the that so it actually started like um i was working at texas a&m and then i stopped working there and actually kind of took a step back in my career and i like started personal training at a gold's gym and i was okay with it because it was like you know i was paying rent and I had good friends, good family, everyone was healthy. And I just kind of had like a positive mindset from that. I never felt 
like, oh, I deserve more. I just was content and I didn't care. Mm-hmm. And that was the craziest thing. The moment I stopped caring was the moment I started to become more successful. And um, someone went up to me and they're like, you should do YouTube videos. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, uh, and this is pretty recently. Like this is literally 2015. Like YouTube was a thing. I thought it was a place where people just sent viral videos. Like here's a link to YouTube, right. this website, you know. <laughs> but then he's like, yeah, check out like Casey Neistat. Do you know who Casey Neistat is? Another name. Like a vlogger or whatever who got big from doing like professional style vlogs. And I just kept exploring, exploring. And I saw like, whoa, this is a thing, you know? So what I was doing at the time was I was getting back into CrossFit a little bit. And I started recording like CrossFit vlogs. And they sucked. Really fucking <laughs> bad. Like they were fucking horrible, dude. Super corny. I, I, I think I deleted them. If I have them, like I might show them one day. Just so we can all fucking laugh at them. But um, I posted it to Reddit, CrossFit Reddit. I go, hey guys, this is my, you know, my vlog, like check it out. And like one dude wrote like four paragraphs on why it sucked. Because oh. it, it wasn't, but, but like, honestly, it was great because he was like, listen, there's nothing. The he, yeah. He was like, well, it was right. He was right. He was a little bit rough on me. And this is some random internet well, it could be some piece of shit, but he's like, mm-hmm. listen, you're not, you're not really, you, you haven't told us anything you're trying to accomplish, right? You're not like trying to do anything. You, you don't have a goal that we can follow along with. <laughs> you're not selling sex, right? You're not particularly like, you're not just like a model, you know, like sometimes people can have aimless goals and there's just cause they're good looking, like can just work out and get right. close, exercise right? porn. Uh, and then like, what do you have expertise in? Cause like, doesn't seem like you have any expertise in anything. You're just kind of floating through these CrossFit workouts and talking about them a little bit and then moving on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I've literally taught thousands of people how to snatch and clean your shirt. And when I, maybe not thousands, I'd say thousands of hours mm-hmm. and hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. Cause I had to do on ramps for two years straight. Every week, a new crop of people would come in and I'd have to teach them. So I felt like, okay, you want expertise? I'm going to do here's an issue that I always see. And it was like in the snatch. If you do CrossFit, it's likely that you have this issue because you've been taught this way. Mm -hmm. Here's what I do to combat that. When I coach people, Mm -hmm. I posted that. And then I posted that to weightlifting and I got an overwhelming Reddit weightlifting and I got an overwhelmingly positive response. Mm -hmm. So I quickly deleted my, my shit ass vlogs (laughs) because Oh my God. Thinking about them like gives me the chills. They were so fucking, it's like, Hey guys, like, you know, <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was being so corny, you know, like, cause I thought that's what you had to do or whatever. And, um, so, so I, I posted that and I remember back then, I don't know if it was the case, but you would get an email every time you got a subscriber Oh yeah. and I got like 25 emails and I was like, fuck, this is awesome. You went viral. Yeah. Because I had like 35 <laughs> followers or whatever, or subscribers. And I was like, okay, well, I got like 600 views on that. Like, I'm going to do this every week. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know how many years it's been. It's been like four years. And I've literally not missed a week since. Wow. And that was it. I Consistency is so important on those platforms too. Yeah. And the thing was like, I sucked originally. Like, I could have just stopped that fucking day. Mm-hmm. Right. What I love about it is that he seeked feedback 
or uh, maybe not. Why did you post it on Reddit? Because I wanted views. views. Yeah, okay. wasn't it like? Yeah, but you, <laughs> but you, but you took what was said and made adjustments. I think people have a hard time with that. I, you know, I get asked frequently how to grow social media presence, and the first thing is the first thing I always say is use the data that you get from it. Like you literally get mm -hmm. immediate feedback from people out there. So if you post something and it doesn't get a lot of likes or comments or sends and shares and whatnot, that's a pretty good indicator that that's not the route that you should be going towards, right? Right. But people, for some reason, like they're... They're just trying to cram a, a, a square peg into a round hole over the top, over and over again. Yeah. Like yeah. A, I think the vast majority of people in your situation would have read that comment and been like, Fuck this guy. Yeah, he's, fuck he's, this guy. Yeah. Know what he's talking about. Well, I did yeah. say that. Don't don't get me wrong. I was like, <laughs> fuck this fucking guy. Like, I'm not that bad looking. Yeah. You know? uh, but yeah. they wouldn't have made any adjustments. You know, they yeah, probably yeah, would have yeah. just either stopped, like you said, or continue to make the same vlogs, not having any and success. No, yeah, and, and then, then I would have quit. And then exactly. quit eventually. Yeah. I, you know, it's like some strength coach said, like make every day your Super Bowl, and it's like what I take from that is, yeah, obviously make every like do whatever you can every day to the best of your ability because you might not have those opportunities again. Mm -hmm. And it could be something as small as like, I don't know, filing your taxes or whatever. Like, um, but you know, when you think about COVID, it's like do everything you can because this business or whatever might go down, you know? Um, so you want to set the, you want to do the best you can in case something bad like that happens. So yeah, someone asked me what would be my last few words before I die. Like if I knew when I was going to die mm -hmm. and my last few words were, I did my best. Yeah. Like I, and that's why, like the way I operate on a day-to-day -day basis is like that, you know, from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, I'm just honestly just trying my best. Yeah. And it, like, Mine so be delete my browser history. <laughs> Wait, what? I said mine would be delete my browser delete history. Delete my browser history. <laughs> Don't let my mom see. Oh, so like, so um, basically treat every day like your Super Bowl. That I, I love that, but I like to expand on that because so for anyone who wants to coach or anything out there, like do anything. If there is somebody that isn't like your immediate friend or immediate family that has to like what you do, that does, that is your fucking Super Bowl. And you need to attack that hard. That's your fucking niche. That's your person. It doesn't matter if it's five people. If you have five people that you don't even know or like they don't have to like what you do and they like what you do, don't ever underestimate how important that is. For sure. Because there's a million people like that that exist in the world. Exactly. And like the attention of five people is massive. You know, yeah. just because we, we get the attention of more, like you can't underestimate the attention of five, one person that you don't know that likes what you do. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I found that group. It was 25 subscribers. Mm -hmm. And I found those 25 and I was like, these are my people. I would, I actually like, um, one of the subscribers I still talk to to this day. Wow. That's like crazy. we Facebook message all the time, you know? And that is my guy, that's my Super Bowl, you know? And like, that's how I attacked it. I was so unbelievably grateful for anything that I ever got. And it kind of circ to circle back. It was like the, the moment I didn't give a shit. 
the moment I didn't think I deserved better than what I had, the moment I was appreciative was the moment I started to become successful. I just became more appreciative of anything that came my way. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, so I have a sports psychologist. Yeah. And yesterday we were talking about techniques to, uh, to succeed in whatever sport and techniques to like lower your, your anxiety when you're competing or when you're doing anything. And one of them was um, thinking that you have nothing else to lose. Like thinking that you're already at the bottom, you have nothing else to lose. And it yeah. makes it like, I know it sounds like a little bit negative, you know? No, because you can take risks then. You can take risks. You can start having fun. You mm. can start doing what, what you know that works that you do best you know and and not doing it you know not 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 holding back not being afraid yeah of failing if like you have the men- mindset of i already failed i'm already it's at not the so easy to just flip that switch though right especially no, when there actually yeah. is something on the line of You're, course but it you takes know? training here's sure. a yeah. here's a good way to, to to say that uh and this sounds this sounds people are like gonna hate it when it comes out but like low expectations high standards yeah, and you think right low expectations i'm not a piece of shit i'm not going to expect low of myself but the very word expect expectation means that it's again it's the knowing and unknowing thing right mm-hmm. like the word expect is not like i don't like it well it's the same thing as being process oriented versus goal oriented right yes. or outcome oriented outcome oriented yes why the fuck would you expect anything ever mm-hmm. <laughs> anything like literally because you could walk out here and someone could pull out a gun and kill you and like yeah you expected to to live to, to no yeah you expected to, <laughs> right. to like tomorrow to wake up and have a cup of coffee like sorry dude that's not the case and it, it when you think long long term having low expectations is a great thing having high standards is the best thing but this is where i started to kind of like i, I love to play devil's advocate with this i think that the hyper hyper elite have a slight amount of high expectations almost to a near toxic level to to a point where it's like that negative feedback they give themselves is what makes them who they are sure i can definitely say and i would say i would say there's got to be something in you that right so like yeah low expectations right but then what if it's like i fucking do expect to be better you piece of shit (laughs) and then and you become a little bit of a dick Right. And that's, that's how it works. But it's then how do you react to the outcome? Right. Say that you had high expectations Mm -hmm. and high standards and then you came short. Then it's about how you react to that failure or setback or shortcoming and keep moving forward. Yeah. And I think it's like this. So say it's a pie chart. It's not, you can't have, I wouldn't say that expectations and outcomes or expectations and And standards standards both rise. I would say in certain times in your life, most times in your life, it should be low expectations, high, high standards. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's going to start switching, right? Sometimes you're going to raise your expectations and, or, or maybe, you know, the, it, it starts balancing out a little bit. But I feel like the higher you have your expectations, the more toxic of a person you are. And yeah. I'm sorry to say, but hyper elite people become toxic because it is a selfish endeavor and that's part of the game. Like you can't deny. Sure. Like success has to come with some sort of, I don't know what other word to say, but toxicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's part of the sacrifice. You know, there's a degree of selfishness to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's what's more selfish than getting pissed off from a mislift, you know, or what's it? Yeah. It literally only affects you. Yeah. No what's more selfish shit. than that? And that's the expectations, you know, coming out. 
Yeah. I love thinking about like I love thinking about the elites and like their flaws. I think that's the most interesting shit ever. Like the, the last dance. I never watched. Um, Did I watch yeah, it? Yeah, with Jordan. With Jordan. Like he, he, Michael oh, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, of course. He of would course. look for Steve ways Jobs, to Michael just Jordan, like, yeah. to, to hate somebody. Like even if they said something, they didn't mean anything by it. He'd convince himself they meant something by it just so he could go fuck them up in the game. Yep. You know, like, look at fighting. That's what we we're talking that is about exact, the other yes. day. Combat sports, yeah. 100%. dude. I saw it in Julian Lane and Jake, my buddy, who just fought. Julian was so out there. Like we went to the public weigh-ins, and Julian actually wanted to like physically harm him at weigh-ins. Yeah, like he bumped him with his head on Jake's nose. Was trying to like hit him. It was crazy. And then right after the fight, they were bros like, after it, right, bro? Like nothing happened. Of course. Much respect. Much yeah. respect, bro. And of I'm course. like. No, what? That's, and dude. Jake shook his hand. I'm like, no, fuck I mean, you. I'm not, like, turn around. It's, I'm not in combat sports, but I do the same exact thing. Yeah. On Instagram, scrolling. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Well, I mean, he thinks he's better than he, me. Even, he's even, like, he doesn't even know who the fuck you <laughs> yeah, are, bro. Even, even more than just fuck that guy, I've created a horrible person <laughs> yeah. of who this person isn't. Yes. And all my friends always make fun of it so because, funny. like, I talk about it, like, in a group chat, right? Of like, oh, like, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, kind of like, fuck this guy. And yeah. oh, this guy, look at this fucking post. Like, what is he doing? What is he thinking? Like, this is dumb, whatever. And they always, like, make fun of me because after the meet, I'm always like, that guy's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course, dude. Yo, like, that fucked me up yeah. in my fight because the girl I fought was so sweet and dude, innocent but- looking, eh? And I saw her and I'm like. And you fucked her up. Yeah, but I, but I, <laughs> but I didn't, ha- you know, I, I wanted to hate her. Right. So bad. Yeah. I really yeah. wanted to and couldn't. She was too sweet looking. We do that, like we as in humans do that far more often than in sports. Like we do that daily, dude. Like think about um, if if you have like a friend group and you feel like someone's coming in is like everyone thinks he or she is like the, the new cool person where you go fuck this person or whatever and you meet them, they're fucking great people, they're super nice. And no one was even thinking that in the first place. Right. You know, uh, my dad told me, he's like, you know, when you're 20, you're worried about what everyone thinks. When you're 30, you, you're, you don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. And then when you're 40, you realize no one was thinking about you in the first place. Right. You know, and then most of the times when we create these little demons out of people or whatever events, you realize in the end, like no one actually gives a fuck about you and you were uh-huh. just creating that whole thing in your own head. We could still make you more competitive though. Of course. Yeah. Not, right? no, you can use that. You can use that to propel you to where you want to be, but also that can negatively affect you in your daily life and it won't propel you. You know, it's yeah. a fine line. Like that's what the elite do. They use that toxicity as, as a, catalyst uh-huh. you know and and that's i i think that's just the coolest shit to explore matt fraser said he, he that's basically how he operates I, I was gonna bring fraser up yeah that yeah. was like one of the first guys i actually thought about he has to be somewhat of like he has like fucked up expect like he has those expectations almost you know and also just doesn't like or get along with a lot of people intentionally you know but it's like he i think what's it what does he always say resentment is a fuel that burns hot so like he exactly he he likes to hear people say something negative about him because every time he goes out there he's trying to prove them wrong by doing his best and he's like I know that this isn't like mentally healthy or sustainable but that's all that's what I have to do for my career and then now I guess he's like unwinding that but you know for however many years he was in CrossFit that's what, what he was and doing. that's why they retired dude 
Yeah, like you said, it burns hot. You can't do it for yeah for too long. Yeah. You're gonna mm-hmm. blow up the whole machine. Yeah. You know, how about you? What's your motivator? Why do you do what you do? Dude, so much of weightlifting, like so much for me, was like proving people wrong, and that's yeah. the worst. That is, I mean, such if you start a, young, I talk that's to, a big part of it. That's a, such a shitty, <laughs> not long-term thing. But again, you're using it as like a little, like a little yeah, I jump mean, start. Pro- proving people wrong is always part of it. Yeah. Wa- wanting to be the best, just like I, like growing up with my brother, super competitive in everything from basketball, football to MMA, everything that we did growing up, even swimming like wanting to be better in absolutely everything it kind of just continued my brother didn't continue sports and i continued sports and i just have like this want to be like better than everybody i don't want anybody to be better than me at absolutely anything anything that i'm doing i can't like pull away from it like quarantine in the keys playing ring toss with my girlfriend i was always like uh-huh. going at it like full like everything <laughs> everything i do like kind of almost like fucked up you know what i mean yeah. like my little brother's 12 like, it doesn't give it, I don't fucking, doesn't matter, bother me. I played uh, one-on-one basketball with him the day before states or two days before states. Like, my almost, like, through my back. I don't jump and run. I'm, I'm fat. So, <laughs> yeah. so and, and like, he's, he's, he's 12, right? And I, I wasn't, I, I went home early because I was going to go to states the following day. I was going to drive up. So, normally when I get there, they're already in bed, whatever, but he was outside playing basketball. And he's like, oh, play me. He's like, you don't want to play me because you're fat and you're slow, whatever. And, and, he's, and he's 12. <laughs> he got under your skin. And oh, I, yeah, yeah. I put my... Listen, who's better at getting under people's skin than a fucking 12-year-old yeah. boy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. I didn't even make it in the house. I put my bag down by the door and I'm like, all right, let's fucking go then. And um, yeah, with states. <laughs> like shit. And I had something to prove at states, but I had something else to take care of, right? Because, yeah. you know... It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> well, I would do it too. at a time. Right. No, I would for sure fucking... If my little brother was chirping at... I don't have a little brother, but if my little brother was yeah. tripping at me like that it's, yes i, I got shit. challenged I by a bunch of uh 10 12 year olds at at mundo where i train yeah. to pick up two plates like 225 pounds really yeah no, they didn't do it. it you didn't no. you said no yeah wow yo Steffi raced a bunch of tiktok kids in the street once because <laughs> they're like I'm faster than you there's a <laughs> lot like, of no, that here though right like a lot of tiktokers and like everything quote-unquote influencers in miami yeah. sort of the same way there is in la yeah. maybe a little bit less than la yeah but, but it's prevalent for here. sure i've noticed yeah but yeah go on so your brother is this go it's go time yeah so what happened did yeah you what happened did you, you kick win? his fucking ass bro you stuff him i did wow <laughs> did, did you no don't lie he, what, he how, did what not was sound convincing at all yeah 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 well, yeah, was, yeah he has you lost I, I I don't i mean i might have lost but i, oh, I, I but, <laughs> loser I didn't, I mean, it was uh, a good game. Uh, it was did, a really good did, game. How tall is your 12-year-old brother? Significantly shorter than me. Oh, God. This is the first this time. He's not this, looking up for you, bro. Yeah. This is the first time he beat me in anything. If it was like your 12-year-old brother who like plays AAU basketball I mean, and is like six, six feet tall. Feet, right. like, yeah, but bro. I mean, it's unfortunate that he's you probably, guys. He's probably that, like, dancing all over you, though. He's probably running back and forth. Yeah, I mean, I played in slides, right? I mean, I, I also. He's I, I, I mean, I have of excuses. I mean, we can. I mean, state nationals is over now. I could always run it back. <laughs> You're gonna I got to time. I got have time now. Get it on you know? uh, and film this time. Well, f- I'll, f- I'll post it. I'll film it. Yeah. Yeah. Just mess him up. No, I will. <laughs> I will. I'm like, I'll lace him up this time. It, it'll be different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, right. no slides. Yeah. Yeah, so going into nationals this year, this is a big one for you. This is definitely the strongest you've ever been. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. <clears throat> what do you attribute that to? And also... Yeah, what what was the goal with this nationals? Uh, I think I fell short just a tad on the actual goal. Obviously, the 
I, I want to make a world team or a Pan Am team, uh, which I need a little bit of a bigger total to do. But, you know, ultimately, yeah, second place to an Olympian, it's not like a horrible place to be, but I know I'm capable of more. Contrary to what we were saying, I had like really high expectations going into it. And I also think that affects something else when we're t- to talk about would be like the whole taper week. Mm-hmm. When you have the high expectations, you're stressed the whole week. You may not sleep the same. You may not eat the same. Yeah. As opposed to if you have low expectations, you're like smooth sailing the same yeah. way that you would be like on any training week. So I think being able to differentiate between those two things, do like, you know, pull those two things apart and be able to do things normally throughout the week is a big part of being successful and maybe even having low expectations. But it's hard because you know, I, I can't have You know the best way. Honestly, you can obviously try to juggle those two things, those two factors, expectations um, and uh, and standards. But the best way to do it is just more and more and more and more experience. No, right. Well, like that, it has well, to just be something that's just innate. I felt I felt something different snatching, like opening snatch this, this meet. A lot of times you have like a little bit of fear of like missing, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. was that wasn't there. Yeah, like I know I was gonna go there and smash my opener, and I'm yeah. like, and I think it, I attribute that to like it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I can only do so many of these things, not just nationals, just competing, mm-hmm. um, in its entirety. You can only be on the platform so many times before you're not nervous doing this movement that you do every single day, thousands of reps for ten plus years already. There's gonna come a point where it's not gonna, yeah, you know, it's, you're not gonna be scared to take the first rep. Um, so that, I think that was really good. Like that was a breakthrough opening heavier. And you felt that this time? You yeah, felt, I felt really good. Yeah. And, and that was with my taper. And I, I felt like I peaked too long. I don't feel like the taper was perfect. Um, like we said, I didn't hit quite hit the numbers I wanted to hit prior. So it's going into it's like, am I capable of these numbers? Uh, but warming up, you know, not sleeping 12 throughout the whole week, not sleeping well at all the night before, like nothing really went right. And I still felt really good. Yeah. And I felt like I just reached that point where like the other variables don't matter as much anymore so it's like i don't have to lower my expectations it's just like even with the high expectations everything can go wrong and you're going to perform well having that in the back of my mind uh yeah i, I felt really really good opening. and he also had your boy counting for him has et counting for me someone someone who trusts counting always helps even yeah. with him that someone that i trust i'm like antsy and i keep look, getting up and looking at the board yeah. but i look at i look at it for like because i just want to know what's going on not that i don't like trust that yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That he yeah. Is taking care of me um but yeah, uh, having someone, like I, I honestly had no idea it was that close between second and third place. Yeah. So basically we, how close was it? The, the only time, I mean, ultimately it, I ended up winning by like eight kilos. Well, the, the thing was you kilos, beat, but. you beat that guy by seven kilos in the snatch. So it wasn't for me, it was like, okay, I'm just going to wait to see where he finishes. Um, and try to maintain that seven kilo lead. If he makes this number to to beat you by one kilo i have to know exactly what that number is to make sure that doesn't happen for you right right so the, i just wanted you to secure what you deserved which was at least silver i'm not going to let you lose like you probably would have total medaled uh silver regardless i'm not going to give up a fucking clean and jerk medal right or a, or a total total medal there's no way and right. then your third attempt we still you still took a crack at 210 which was just huge. You know, you still got the opportunity you wanted. I just had to make sure that you weren't going to, like, I didn't want to fuck that up for you. What were your right. clean and jerk attempts? Because I only saw snatch. We went 192, 201, 210. Okay. So, and 201 was to get silver across the, well, for total and for clean and jerk. So what happened was uh, his last warm up was 175 and everyone had 
185 on the board and they all went boom 190 so it was 185 on the board and then everyone yeah and then everyone came in and changed their shit to one 190 like all at once so it was like alejandro medina is up so i went 191 right so they could rest longer and then everyone else went you know and then i went 192 and then everyone some people had less changes so he ended up resting another two three minutes and then boom went out and it was perfect Mm. that's the sort of shit like you have to be on top of that's it like as a as a job it's not that hard i'm not gonna say i'm a fucking genius back there but you have to be like you can't sleep when you're back there. And you yeah, have to yeah, make the right yeah. decisions, right? You can't let the athlete tell you, like, no, let me take 165, 205. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I yeah. think I can hit them, and I just don't quite hit them that day. And then I lose when with, yeah. when I had the opportunity to obviously win with. Because I, I wanted to take, when he wanted to take 162, uh, it puts me in, a, like, a comfortable lead. For second place, obviously, I wasn't in, in contention to, like, win. I wanted to be, that's, I wanted to be closer, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to put 170 and maybe put a little bit of pressure on yeah. Olympian. I thought it would have been really cool. I had really high expectations for that. Um, obviously, it didn't happen. But yeah, I wanted to still prove that I could hit really big numbers on the platform. So my second attempt, I wanted to jump, jump to straight to 165, which like if I miss that, I'm up by one kilo as opposed to seven kilos going yeah. into clean injury. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, if... If, if, if you make... This is how I play it. It's like if you make a lift... You are now sitting in what they, the proverbial catbird seat, right? Like you are in, you're now in control and everyone else has to make their shit, whatever. Really? If you miss, now you're playing, okay, what do I need? What do I need? What do I need? When you make, everyone else goes, what do I need to beat him? What do I need to beat right. him? So you can kind of sit back after you make a lift, yeah. right? And then, and then, then just choose weird numbers that they don't normally yeah. hit. And you just jump. You just go, oh, you bitch, yeah. you want that? I'm going to do this. You know, mm-hmm. you're the one playing, you know? So was, that's what I, where my head was at was like, if you missed, like you're only up by one and now going into the total, we're behind and all these different things. Right. What was, um, what was the most impressive <laughs> performance of the weekend? Uh, Maddie Rogers by far. What'd what did she, she, she went six for six. She did eight? American records in all three. So 112 in the snatch American record, 143 in the clean and jerk American record, and then one or 255 in the total American record. The crazy thing was a girl in her session went 110, 140 and got second. Which is like the second. Yeah, like a second 250 time. total for a while Who was, was like it? the greatest total from a woman Jesse you would Stemmo. ever see. Jesse Stemmo. Wow. She's a very good lifter. Um, and, uh, like to have two of those in the same session, like is ridiculous to, to do two fifty and lose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And then I would say behind that would be Ian Wilson. Ian yeah. Wilson competed. Yeah. yeah he came back. He right. came, came I back when one seventy five. He came out of the, the woods snatch. and snatched one seventy five. And what did he clean a jerk? Two Oh five. He yeah. missed, but he, jerk he, but he cleaned the shit out of two fifteen. Yeah. Wow, that's he went crazy. So, so yeah. get it. So yeah, he, he hit 380 and qualified for Worlds. First meet back in two years. That's just insane. Whipped out his dick and just like <laughs> pissed on everyone. It was wow. crazy, dude. For for Jesse and uh, Maddie, 250, it's the second or third time that anyone, a non-super yes, American woman so, has ever posted So Maddie that. was the only person who was a non-super to go 250. Um, and then... Ever. So, ever. And then to put in perspective, how Jesse was the is. second, and then Maddie was the third. Wow. So that's how significant that is. And did Kate and I compete? She did. She she did not do so hot. 
What she made do? one snatch, two jerks. Uh, good enough to win nationals, but not up to par with what she's been hitting. Yeah, yeah. She mm. just snatched one fourteen. Did she take a bunch of time off? No, no, she's no, lifting dude, right now. The problem with her, and I actually talked to her after this, like the new weight classes. So for people listening, like it was, you know, 63, 69 kilos. Uh-huh. They changed it to 64, 71, 76. But that 71 kilo class is not an Olympic class. So Kate, who is a, uh, I, when she started, she was like 63. She was good. Uh-huh. She would have been perfect in the 69 category, would have been a perfect lifter. They bumped it to 71 and then they said, oh yeah, this person won't make the Olympics. So she has to be at a very unnatural 76 kilo. Uh, wow. Yeah. So she, you know, that's a, I don't know how much body weight. For, What's the next one down now for women? 63. You 64, 64. 64 and, yeah. then, to be an Olympic and then 71. Class. And then 71. Yeah, 64 to 76, bro. Oh. For women. Yes. Oh, because 71 is not an Because it's not a, yeah. Okay. Jesus, and, dude. Yeah. Think of that bullshit. And wait, wait, it's yeah, because it's like dude. Think about spread. this too. In men's, it's eighty-one to ninety-six. The eighty-nine, no or was it eighty-nine? No, eighty-nine. No, it's, it's ninety-six to one oh nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One oh two doesn't so go. So they, they fucked up. And and for Kate, it's like okay, it's one thing to like put on all this weight and go and peak for Tokyo twenty twenty. When they postponed it, it fucking hurt her, and yeah. like. Some people, like a lot of people, it hurt a lot of people. You prepare for something for four years. You don't expect it to go fucking five years. That shit sucks. Yeah. So so for her, it's like, okay, now you got to put on this weight. Sorry, now you got to keep on this weight. You know, and like, you got to, oh, you were peaked. Got to bring it back down. Are you saying post-Olympics, you, you think she would have went back down to 71? Because it didn't matter anymore? I don't, I don't know what she would have done, but it would have been easier to kind of build up right. everything. Boom. Like sure. smash it. You lose weight for three years. She could have. Right. Yeah. You don't want to fucking remain peaked. It's, it's the worst feeling ever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, um, you got to build and you got to be sharp for that moment. And then you unload. So I yeah. felt at nationals, you know, you got to just bring it all back down. But, uh, for her, it was like, too it's yeah. too much. So being in States since a little before States. Yes. Just didn't really have time to like hit the reset. Like all I could do was kind of write it out. So like with, you know, with that given as well, it's still happy with you how You guys it have was. it tough with all the mandatory competitions you have to do too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the, um, that was the, that's the thing though. They have to do it for testing purposes. I know. I get it for that. For that. But like, yeah, Fernando's, but they're showing Fernando's up competing nonstop. They're dude, showing up at dude, your Fernando's house anyway. He sometimes has to fly to Brazil just to weigh in. Yeah. Yeah, no, so that they can test him and then he weigh doesn't even test lift. it. Yes, exactly. But what, that, what what difference does it make if they're showing up at your house every two weeks anyway? The, no. Dude, it's just part of the new rule set or whatever. But Kate was also saying that odds are they're changing the weight classes again. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, but but to what? If the change is good, then it'd be good. If the change is not, and good. then now yeah. we have to have another world record standard. Oh, that's so annoying. You know what I mean? It's like. But records don't even matter anymore. God, we could dive into point. why weightlifting sucks so bad on an <laughs> international scale, but I believe that would be a whole other podcast. Well, you're in town for a while. Maybe do another one on why weightlifting sucks. How long are you in town? <laughs> uh, till Friday. Nice. So I'm gone tomorrow, but Steffi's around. Yeah, we're out. Yeah. What? To, how long have we been running? Been running. Hour and six. Hour and six. Wow. It's not bad. What do you say? It's a good place to stop. Good place to stop. All right. Yeah. 
Hey, thank you guys for being on. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I love yeah. just like how random it was. It's perfect. Yeah. Hey, I'm in town. <laughs> hey, you want to do a podcast? Works perfect. perfect. That's yeah. how we. That's how we do it here. That is. We missed Russ though. We'll get him next time. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your support, and I'll catch you guys next time. Sweet, Sweet dudes. Uh, we'll, send, we'll send you all the like, uh, <clears throat> like.